Hello, 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 and welcome to the year 2018. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Good Life Project. So today is a bit of a special episode. Normally on a Monday, we have a long-form conversation with a guest, and we will be back to that next week. But I wanted to start the year a little bit differently this time. So this is not your normal conversation. This is a time of year where so many people hit pause and reflect on the year that's behind them and then really do some planning. And they say, okay, this is what I want to happen in the year to come. And they pick goals. Sometimes we call them resolutions. Sometimes we just call them goals. Sad fact is the vast majority of it, no matter what you call it, ends up pretty much out the window within a matter of the first few weeks of the year. And within about a month and a half, Almost all goals and resolutions, big and small, have failed in some way or been abandoned. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, something like 85% of all New Year's resolutions are the same ones that have been made in prior years. So the question is why? Why do we fail at achieving things that we say, we really proclaim after thinking about it that this is really important to me? So what happens there? And a big part of the problem is that information and even a plan, it, that's actually not enough. It, that is not what is going to get you from here to where you want to be. And the bigger the goal, the bigger the achievement, the bigger the quote resolution, if in fact that's what you label it, the more likely it is that you're going to fail if you don't actually add in a number of other things. So to succeed at anything large or small, especially large, you need something that I call success scaffolding. And that is something beyond the information, beyond, you know, sort of knowing what to do and even having a plan about what to do. And um, I spent a lot of years deconstructing this and I've started to share the details of, of this thing I call success scaffolding with a couple different people. And it's been kind of mind-boggling to see the lights go on. And I figured, you know what, this would actually be, this would be maybe a great way to start the year with our Good Life Project community is to take this Monday episode and deconstruct it for you. So I am going to lay out the entirety, the end-to-end process of success scaffolding for you. And it's something that I call the seven P's, uh, as in the letter P. And that's what we're all going to be up to today. So (laughs) ready yourself. You may want to take a pen as well and be ready to take notes because it's going to be granular it's going to be massively actionable and if you actually build this scaffolding into the way you live your life into the way that you actually strive to achieve things you may find some pretty major changes in your success rates so um there's by the way there's nothing to sell there's no there's no program that there's no sort of productivity or goal setting program attached to this this is just a, a complete give and i'd love to um I want this year to be a year of profound possibility and success for you. So that's why I'm doing this. Before we dive in, a quick welcome also to new subscribers. We have seen a pretty astonishing bump in new listeners in the last few weeks. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so excited to start the year with you. And as I mentioned, normally on a Monday, we have long form conversations and we will be back to that next week. 
Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me, and it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight-up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select, then unwinding with the available front row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Okay, on to our show, Success Scaffolding. To succeed at anything, not just it, it's not just about information, as I mentioned. It's about action. I love this quote from Derek Sivers. In fact, it's, um, I, I love it so much that uh, it's, it's in my, my latest book, How to Live a Good Life. And um, I'm not going to get it exactly right because I actually don't have it in front of me right now. But essentially, he's, he says that if information was the answer, we would all be millionaires and have six-pack abs. And, um, you know, the implication is there's something much more going on. There is a vast sea of information on how to do almost anything you could ever imagine you'd want to do in the world. All you have to do is jump online and click onto the Googles or whatever other search engine you want to use. And you will find pretty much all of the information you want. Um, in fact, if it's, you know, everything from starting a business to uh, a relationship to weight loss to strength training to pretty much anything that you want to do, you will find an incredible amount of volume of information almost anywhere. So with tremendous access to information, why do we still fail so often? Why are we so kind of miserably bad at achieving the stuff that we proclaim matters so much to us? And the reason is because there's something bigger going on. To succeed, it's not just about information or a plan. We actually need this thing called success scaffolding, which means we need to actually build the environment and the culture and have the support structures around us and the mindset shifts that allow us to actually take the consistent daily action over time long enough 
for that to then turn into habit and then into practice that over time generates the success that we all strive for. Problem is not a whole lot of people teach this. There's a lot of pop psychology around it, a lot of mythology around it, and sometimes a lot of metaphysics. And that may benefit some, and sometimes it doesn't. So what I wanted to do is kind of take a little bit more of a, um, a really fundamental nuts and bolts approach to building this success scaffolding so that as you move into the year, your likelihood of actually achieving whatever it is that you strive to achieve this year goes up pretty dramatically. And my version, you know, the, the success scaffolding that I have seen and, and created as I've worked with many people in many different domains over the years, it's made up of these things I call the seven Ps. And I'm going to walk you through each one of them, one at a time, deconstruct them, and show you how to actually set them up in your own life. I have developed this approach over a period of a few decades now, um, both in trying to build my own life, my own lifestyle, my own companies, and working with many, 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 many students, clients in so many different domains from everything from fitness to lifestyle change to yoga to meditation to large corporate endeavors to entrepreneurs and founders. So the nice thing about this is it is what I would call domain agnostic. This scaffolding, the seven Ps, is not just about uh, weight loss. It's not just about careers, not just about relationships. It applies to pretty much anything you would ever want to do. So it's a really powerful framework to be able to bring to, well, anything you want to do. So let's dive in. The first P in our seven P success scaffolding is what I call the pledge, pledge. Now, what is that about? So there's a really interesting psychological phenomenon, and I first learned about it in uh, what's commonly known as the Bible of Persuasion. So there's a book called Influence, which was written by Robert Cialdini. I think it's about 32, 33 years old at this point. But the fascinating thing is human nature is still human nature. It hasn't changed in the last 33 years. The hidden drivers that make us do things or not are fundamentally wired into us and have been wired into us for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So Cialdini identified this thing that he called the consistency principle. And he's a researcher, so everything that he talks about is actually built upon published academic research. Now, the consistency principle is really interesting because it's this funky quirk of the way that our brain works and the way that we actually behave. What he realized is that when we say or do something, from that moment forward, our brains become primed to want to continue to say things or to take actions that are consistent with that first statement or action. An example is if you walked up to somebody, and this is an example that he talks about, and, you know, and, and knock on the door in political season and say, hey, can I put a 10 foot by 10 foot billboard on your front lawn that says, you know, I support this candidate? Most people will laugh at you and throw you off the lawn. But if you walk up to that same person and say, hey, listen, can I put a little six inch paper flag on a tiny little piece of wire at the edge of your lawn saying I support this candidate? A lot of people say yes, because it's a really, really low threshold ask. There's no, almost no risk to it. There's no effort that needs to be involved in it. So if you do that and somebody says yes, and then you come back a week later and you say, hey, listen, remember we talked last week and you had this flag out front. That's awesome. 
are you cool if I actually just really quick swap that out and I replace it with a, a flag that's just slightly bigger? You know, maybe it's, it's, it's still just a little paper thing, but maybe it's 12 inches by 12 inches. They are far more likely to say yes to that than they would have been had you had that ask the first time out. Because now they've already said yes to something smaller and their brain is primed to want to be seen as somebody who is consistent. They want to act consistently with what they've said and done before. So then if you keep coming back week after week and saying, hey, can I put it with something bigger, something bigger, the likelihood of you getting somebody to, you know, like a giant billboard in the front of their lawn is dramatically higher than had you just asked up front. So the idea is we can actually use this impulse when we're trying to actually prime our brains to want to take action that would get us to our goal. And the way that we do that is that we create some form of pledge, a written pledge, spoken pledge. And think of it as a contract, not a legal contract, but basically a, a document or a statement that says, this is what I believe and this is what I'm committed to doing. And to the extent that you're actually making this some form of public declaration, or at least making it known to one or one other person or a group of other people who will hold you accountable to that pledge, uh, that becomes much more effective. Once we do that, we then become much more likely to continue to take action consistent with that initial pledge. So I have a background in the fitness industry and the health industry. I've been a brick and mortar entrepreneur in that space and opened and built and sold a few different companies. And back in the day, um, sort of in the fitness side of things, I owned a, a, a high-end private training facility. And one of the things that we would sometimes do with somebody when they came in is we take them through a full assessment. And then we would sit down and say, okay, now what you came here and, and now we have information that says, this is where you are. Where would you like to be? And we'd write down where they'd like to be. So that's kind of the goal. Here's what I want to achieve, right? And then we would say, okay, so for us to go from where you are now to where you want to be, and let's say over the next 12 weeks, this is what it's going to take. You know, it's going to take you coming in and moving your body three times a week and eating this way and doing these things. And I, you'd write it down on a piece of paper and say, okay, let's turn this into a contract, you know, which basically starts saying, I state your name, pledge that I am committing to doing this um, level of effort this many times uh, for this many weeks, and then sign your name at the bottom. And what's really fascinating is there's a bit of research around this. Even though this is not a legally binding contract, and that's never the intent, this simple process of making a pledge or signing this sort of personal agreement makes it much more likely that you will then turn around and act consistently with that statement because of the consistency principle. So it's a really simple thing that you can do to make progress towards your goals, create a, a, an agreement, um, make it personal, and commit to a course of action that will get you there. Don't just commit to the outcome, commit to a course of action that will get you there. And then um, bring somebody else into it. So make the pledge not just to, your, to yourself, but to others. A fun way to do this, if you want, is choose whatever social platform uh, that you're most comfortable with or where you have community and where you trust people to keep tabs on you and, uh, and write it out there and post it publicly and say, this is my pledge. So that's the first P, pledge. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... 
Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Good Life Project is brought to you by LinkedIn Ads. So have you ever felt the challenge of reaching a key decision maker in the B2B world? Imagine connecting with a billion professionals, including 180 million senior executives and 10 million C-level leaders. Well, LinkedIn Ads provides precision targeting and measurement tools tailored for B2B marketers, outperforming other platforms with two to five times higher ROAS in technology. Plus, 79% of B2B content marketers vouch for LinkedIn Ads exceptional paid media results. What sets LinkedIn ads apart is their understanding of the complex B2B landscape. They have built a platform to support you through intricate decision-making processes. I've actually tapped the power of LinkedIn ads a number of times to help grow our work-focused venture, Spark Endeavors, and I've been seriously impressed by the performance. So if you're ready to elevate your B2B marketing, try LinkedIn ads. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject or just click the link in the show notes. Terms and conditions apply. Good Life Project is supported by Dell. So seasons change. So why not your tech? Upgrade now during the Dell Technologies Summer Sale Event and save on select PCs like the XPS 16 powered by Intel Core processors. You'll be able to bring your most intensive project to life with built-in AI, minimalistic design, immersive visuals, and cinematic audio. Plus, complete your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop at dell.com deals, you'll have access to exceptional tech and electronics, plus free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at dell.com slash deals. That's dell.com slash deals or just click the link in the show notes. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select, then unwinding with the available front-row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. The second P is people. Here's the thing. Nobody succeeds alone. It just doesn't happen. Even the people that we like to point to as the biggest icons and the biggest solitary performers from athletes to musicians to artists to to founders, um, you know, we say, well, they did it. They, you know, and this was a solitary pursuit. It's complete fiction. Nobody succeeds at any sort of high level 
when you're trying to do it alone. We all need people because the only way to actually succeed at something substantial is consistent action over time. And to take consistent action over time, we need people. And we need people on multiple levels. So let me share the different sort of roles that we need when I talk about people. First, we need what I call co-strivers or parallel playmates. These are people who are actually doing something similar to you. So maybe you want to lose five pounds in the next month, right? So these are other folks who would also like to have a similar goal, right? And they're kind of doing it alongside of you. So you each have your own individual goal, but they're similar and you're doing it side by side. So they're, they're, your, they're kind of going along the journey with you, but they're there for themselves as much as for you. The second uh, role when I talk about people is what I call champions. And these are folks who are going to be honest with you. They're folks who, who know what your pledge is, know what your commitment is to action, and they're going to champion you, and they're going to be honest with you and true to you and not sugarcoat, um, not denigrate, but also be truthful about when they see you doing great work and also when they see you needing help. They are the people who help you rise. They also help hold you up when you stumble. The third role that we want when we talk about having people is mentors or teachers uh, or guides. These are folks who in some way have either achieved what you're looking to achieve or attained a certain amount of knowledge or information or status or expertise, wisdom in whatever the domain is, and they're willing to turn around and help you. They can help you by looking at whatever you're doing and offering wisdom, offering ways to um, to tailor whatever you want to do so that it works better for you and to help you correct course and to help guide you so that you can actually stumble less and get to where you want to be with greater ease. The fourth role that we want under people are accountability partners. Now, this can be in the form of a group or it can be the form of uh, individuals or you know one or two partners. I'll share a funny story with you. Uh, way back in the day, when when I actually before I even owned my first fitness facility, I have a very past life actually as as a large firm lawyer in New York City. And my first jump out of that was actually to be a personal trainer. And I worked in a facility for a chunk of time, and then broke off and started my own business. But before I opened my first facility, I was actually training private clients, and I would meet them outside and. I'm in New York City, so I love to meet them in Central Park. And there was this one client who I used to meet on the corner of 72nd uh, and 5th Avenue, right on the corner of Central Park. And I would meet him at about 6 a.m. every day. And we would go running or rollerblading or working out and doing all sorts of different things. And I remember one morning I got there, and it was a couple minutes early, and I see him come running up. It's huffing and puffing. And, and he starts to crack up, and he's laughing. And, and I'm like, what what are you laughing about? What's going on here? And he's like, you know, I have to be honest with you. He said, you could literally go home right now. Um, and he said, the truth is, you know, um, once I'm here, I'm going to go run. I'm going to go do my push-ups. I'm going to go do what I need to do. But I, I need you to know, I, I need you. Like your primary role to me is that I know I'm paying somebody to make sure that I show up here at 6 a.m. on the dot, you know, three times a week. And that accountability is actually the single most important to me. He's like, once I'm dressed, once I'm out of my apartment, once I'm moving, I'm totally fine rocking and rolling with it. But I need the accountability just to show up. And so it's kind of funny. He's like, literally, you could go home now if you wanted to, 
which I didn't, of course. But, you know, it's, a, it's an example of the fact that accountability, depending on your wiring, is something that, us, that, that we need in, internally and externally on varying levels. Um, a friend of mine, Gretchen Rubin, who's written uh, The Happiness Project, Happier at Home, uh, Better Than Before, has really gone deep into what she calls the four tendencies. And these are sort of the tendencies that we have around accountability and commitment. And she actually has a great quiz that you can take, which will tell you which one of the what she calls the four tendencies you are. And it's massively helpful at understanding what type of accountability you need to really um, stay committed to to your expectations and to your statements and to your pledge. And for a lot of people, they need that external accountability. They need some kind of person or group. So the the final role, the fifth role under people is community. And this is sort of a broader cross-section. We need people who are, are where we can show up and we feel like we belong, where there's a sense of belonging, where we are bound together, um, where there's a sense of safety. We feel that we can be ourselves. We don't have to fake. We don't have to have a facade. We can be our cranky, our happy, our grumpy, our sad, our frustrated, frazzled, delighted, joyful selves. We can just show up and know that we'll be held, we'll be held up, uh, not held up, you know, in terms of, <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about, and that we'll be accepted, that we'll be embraced. Uh, and, you know, so, so finding that sense of belonging, find that sense of community, uh, it's really, really critical. It's one of the things that I also, I write about in How to Live a Good Life is, are the elements of, of, um, that really have to be there in order for you to find that sense of community. And it's, um, that, that would actually be an entirely different conversation. But just know now that, that the fifth role that's really important people-wise is that you have a sense of community, that you feel safe, and that you feel you genuinely belong to. Which brings us to the third P in our success scaffolding. And that is possibility. So... You could have a pledge. You can deconstruct all the things that will help get you from where you are to where you want to be. You can have all the people in the world. You can have all the things that I'm about to talk about after this, all the plans and everything. But there's one absolute point of failure. If you do not believe even the smallest amount. You don't have to have blind faith. But if you do not believe in even the slightest possibility that what you strive to achieve um, is attainable, is possible, it doesn't matter what else you try and do. You will not be able to sustain the action needed or even start the action needed to make it happen. So, so many times, you know, we say, well, you know, I want to lose a hundred pounds. I want to do this. Um, I want to run a company. I want to, you know, be the most popular person in my grade. I want to become, you know, whatever it may be. And we see all sorts of other people doing it. We see people rising up from nowhere and achieving all of these things. And we say, we want that, right? But if we don't have an intrinsic belief that that thing, in the context of who we are, in our life, is possible. 
we don't have to believe it's 100% possible, but even 1%, 2%, if we don't believe that the door to possibility is even the slightest bit cracked open, it's game over. Nothing else matters because we will not do the work to make it possible. We will not ever do the sustained things to open the door from 1% to 2 and then 5 and then 10 and then 30 and 50 and then 100% when we actually achieve it. So possibility, belief that whatever it is that you want to attain is possible is a gateway to action. Possibility is the gateway to action. If you don't have even a sliver of a sense of possibility, you will not act. And if you do not act, everything fails. Which brings us to number four. And it's the answer to the question that may be lingering. How do you, quote, get possibility? So if you look at all these things and you're saying to yourself, well, yeah, 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 um, I get that if I don't believe something is possible, there's no way I'm going to take action and no way I'm actually going to make it happen. Yeah, I get that. It makes complete sense to me, right? But I don't believe it's possible. I, even though you know it may be possible for others, there's some sort of of belief system that exists in me that's wiring me to say, I don't believe that I'm different, I'm the exception, but not the exception in terms of the one person who can make it happen. I'm the exception in that I can't make it happen. It's not possible. So is there a way, is there a way to bridge the gap between non-belief and belief in possibility? And the answer is yes. There are actually many different ways. What I wanna focus on here is what I call the fourth P, and that is proof. We need proof of possibility. Some people are, um, are more open to faith. Some people are more open to just believing and saying, you know, there's no rational basis for this, but I'm a complete optimist and I'm gonna go all in. I believe. And that can actually lead to delusional optimism um, to the point where people invest massive amounts of effort, time, money, energy, in things which they absolutely should not believe is possible. But the flip side is it can, it can lead to the opposite, that we can have disbelief in possibility when something in fact is very possible, but for the fact that we don't believe it to be so. And the unlock key is for those people who are not inclined to um, be open to faith or blind faith is proof, the fourth P proof. And proof on three levels. There are actually a whole bunch of different levels, but I want to talk about three primary levels of proof. So first, um, one way to prove to yourself that there is a possibility is to, if you see uh, the success stories of other people who you perceive to be like you in some way, shape, or form, right? This is the basis behind pretty much all testimonials. So if you look at any infomercial, if you look at almost any advertisement, if you look at the vast majority of websites um, where somebody is selling a product or service, very often, and especially if they're good at, at telling their story and convincing you that what you want to do is possible with their help, they will have these things called testimonials. And what are testimonials? Testimonials are simply stories of other people 
who are in some way similar enough to you so that you can find someone, transfer into their story, see yourself as them, and then experience their lens on possibility and potentially their successful outcome as yours. And when you do that enough, when you actually see others like you um, and see them succeed, see them crack the window open to possibility, that becomes a form of proof that in fact you're similar enough to them that it may be possible for you if it was possible for them. So hearing the stories of others like you, similar enough to you in some way, is one really powerful potential form of proof. A second form is um, having the endorsement uh, or, or the input of people that you trust, right? Now, these could be different sorts of people. These could be family members um, who you just, you trust their opinion. You trust their wisdom. You trust their knowledge. These could be um, experts in whatever domain you're looking to achieve something. So, you know, they're very smart. They're very wise. They have a full understanding of what it takes to actually succeed in this domain. And they're looking at you and saying, this is possible. You can do this. So trust in somebody who has domain expertise and you perceive in some way to be an expert, a credible expert, right? Um, so that can be super powerful. There's another level of trust in other people telling you that it's possible, which for some reason we tend to take as valid proof, even though in my mind, it's probably the least valid form of proof. And that is celebrity endorsements. If we see a celebrity say, this is the thing that allows me to get to this particular place, and we want to be in that same place. For some reason, we are wired to almost suspend judgment when it comes to celebrity endorsements and want to believe them. Some of the, the deeper psychology around that is sometimes that we want to be with them. We want to feel a sense of association with those celebrities. So by sort of adopting their lens and their belief system, we, we can kind of feel that like we're going along with them. We're one of them. In my mind, it's probably the least valid because they are very likely the least like us. But those are three really interesting and often effective ways to cultivate this sense of proof in possibility. So quick recap before we jam into the final uh, three um, Ps in our success scaffolding. We started out with a pledge, which leverages the consistency principle. We talked about the critical importance of having the right people to keep you rolling along. You know, and the five levels of people, co-strivers, champions, mentors, accountability partners, and community. We talked about the critical importance of belief in possibility, not blind faith, but at least 1% belief that something is possible. The door has to be cracked the slightest bit open. And then through your actions, you can open it further and further and further until you walk through it. And number four, how do we get that possibility? For some people, they're okay with blind faith. That's not a lot of people, though. Most people need some form of proof, which is the fourth P. And we talked about the three different levels. So let's move into number five. And that is what I call the picture. We, you're probably gathering at this point that um, we're, we're a little bit weird. We're all wired strangely. 
And to a certain extent, we're wired for failure. Some people are wired more so, and, but others uh, not so much. But even on average, most of us come into adulthood and our brains are wired for something, not for objectivity, but to be very subjective and you know, understandable, right? Because it's very hard, as my friend Charlie uh, Gilkey says, it's very hard to read the label when you're inside the jar, to be objective when you're living your own subjective experience of life, right? So, and, and there's another sort of compounding variable here. And that is that given the opportunity to default to belief in possibility or default to belief in failure and doom and gloom, the average bear is more inclined to default to doom and gloom. This is a phenomenon in psychology known as the negativity bias. And in fact, it's so pervasive that there's been a lot of research done on it. And what we now know is that we are so inclined on average, again, there will be outliers, of course, and, and you may be one if you're nodding your head and, or shaking your head saying, no, that's not me. Maybe you're the outlier, but understand you are not sort of the mainstream then. The average person defaults to negativity and spins not the positive outcome or the possible outcome, but the negative outcome, the failure outcome until that eventually becomes uh, their belief in, as the only outcome, and it destroys action-taking, which destroys the possibility of success. So what we need to do is in some way counter this negativity bias. And there are a whole bunch of different ways to do that. There are a lot of really powerful practices to make that happen. Uh, positive psychologist and professor and uh, best-selling author Barbara Fredrickson has spoken and written and researched in detail about uh, about this effect and about the many things that you can do. One of the things that I have found to be super effective to sort of snap you out of this untrue negativity bias and sort of the lockdown state in doom and gloom and stop you from basically ignoring the stuff that's going right, ignoring the successes and only focusing on what's not being done, what's not going right and the failures one of the most powerful ways I've found to snap you out of that is to create some sort of mechanism to regularly take a picture of where you are. And when you do that regularly, it, that becomes a bit more of an objective process. So we see this in the weight loss world, right? We know that actually people are much more successful at maintaining weight loss over a longer window of time if they're actually using some sort of regular measure to establish that. Now, whether that's weighing yourself, whether that's trying on a certain clothing item, whatever it may be, you know, the closest we can get to some kind of more objective measure rather than looking in the mirror and saying, well, I feel, I feel fat today, or I feel thin today, or I feel this today, um, because that's not objective. We want to have some sort of measure that is as objective as we can get it. We want to be able to take a picture as objectively as we can and do it on a regular basis. Now, depending on whatever it is you may want to be doing, daily may make sense, weekly may make sense, monthly may make sense. There's probably very little that doesn't warrant something less frequent or um, uh, than monthly. You know, we have uh, in in the work that I do. So, uh, with Good Life Project, in uh, my most recent book, in How to Live a Good Life, um, I have a tool I've created called a, a snapshot. And you can take that on a daily basis in this really quick and easy version. And what we're doing in that 
is we're looking at these things called the good life buckets. And, and I call these your vitality bucket, your contribution bucket, and your connection bucket. And every morning, really fast, we do a very quick visual snapshot to determine you know, on a level of zero to 10, how full is each one of those buckets? And that helps guide our behavior. But then once a week, we do a more detailed snapshot and we take one page and we have this in, in the, uh, the actually companion journals to that book. There is a page where you answer in a more granular form what your weekly snapshot looks like. And this starts to, to make the process more objective, right? So it starts to force you to acknowledge and own and assess not only the happy things, um, but you know, or not only the misses or the failures or the things that you didn't want to happen, but also the stuff that went right and the successes and the wins. We have an even more granular snapshot process in a snapshot tool that we've actually built called Snapshot 360, which is an online assessment. And I suggest doing that, you know, sort of on a, a month, once a month basis. What's amazing is we've seen in the Good Life Project, uh, the online community, it was really cool, actually. Recently, I saw somebody who, who uh, started, um, bought the book, did 30 days, um, and he did the, the online Snapshot 360, got very granular numbers for each one of the three buckets, and then basically did the entire book, which is, which is amazing. I love this. You know, he took all 30 days and did the book and then took his Snapshot 360 assessment again. And that showed really marked changes in the levels of his buckets, tremendous improvements. And what's so cool is had he not done this before and a month out, it's very likely that because of the negativity bias, he would have focused more on what he didn't accomplish or what didn't happen that he wanted or his stumbles or his failures. But because he had a way to take a picture that was fairly objective and he did it on a regular basis, it was able to sort of snap him out of to basically look at hard proof as a way to contradict the negativity bias. It's very hard to hang on to that negativity bias when you have actual proof in the form of a, a, as objective a picture as you can get, staring you back in the face and saying, no, in fact, there have been a lot of wins here. So that number five in your success scaffolding is to take a picture. That is the fifth P, the picture. And that leads us, we're heading into the final stretch here. That leads us to number six, and that is a practical process. Okay, so I kind of cheated there. There are two Ps here. We'll call that P squared if you want for number six, right? And the idea here is that we need a process. This story is presented by Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA produced by ACAS Creative. 25 years ago, Invesco QQQ rethought the investing landscape by providing access to the NASDAQ's 100 most innovative companies all in one ETF. With Invesco QQQ, investors saw all the possibilities that innovation could deliver. Personally, I had a wake-up call in my 30s that led me to invest deeply in myself to unlock new possibilities. I walked away from a career as a lawyer, overhauled my lifestyle through mindset and exercise and nutrition, and completely reimagined my career. And it was unsettling at times, but that investment in my potential allowed me to live so much more creatively and with purpose and passion. Invesco is proud to sponsor the new Ways to Win podcast, hosted by longtime coaches and mentors Craig Robinson and John Calipari. So in Ways to Win, the coaches use their on-court wisdom to solve for off-court problems and help you find a winning formula for success. In this clip from the show, we'll hear Craig share his advice for weighing a decision to switch from investment banking to full-time coaching. Let's take a listen. 
The advice that I would give somebody who's weighing a decision that is less risky or more risky, I always tell them to work back from what they're wanting to accomplish, right? What the reward is, what's at the end, and work back and try and set yourself up to get to where you want to get to. Because sometimes taking a risk is the right thing to do to get something that you want. And what I try and counsel people to do is not be afraid to take risks because if you set yourself up properly with a good education, a great network of friends, and you've got family behind you, you can usually weather most storms if things don't work out the way you thought they'd work out. So listen to Ways to Win wherever you get your podcasts to get more wisdom from Craig. Nobody knows what's ahead, but one thing's for certain. You can access tomorrow's innovation today with Invesco QQQ ETF. Let's rethink possibility. So thank you for listening to this special story brought to you in partnership with Invesco QQQ and produced by ACAS Creative. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs' risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more defined investments. The NASDAQ 100 index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco is not affiliated with ACAS Creative. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, we need a methodology. So if you're looking to train for a marathon and you go online and you, you, you look up training for a marathon, what you'll find is a fairly um, systemized uh, – last time I, I think it's about a 16-week marathon training program that has become pretty much the norm for millions and millions and millions of people who have decided that they want to run a marathon and they have no idea to train. So they look this up online. And there's a, a protocol. Now, I may be a little old on this. And, you know, if you, there may be a new 14-week or 18-week or maybe there's a new way to do it. But the point is that there's a process where you start where you are and it basically tells you here's what you need to do to go from where you are today to the place where you should be able to accomplish your stated goal 
um, or objective or resolution. Here's the thing about that process, though. You know, in business, it gets more complex because it's more nuanced. In relationships, it, it can be more complicated, but there are general principles and there are activities and exercise that we can all do. In nutrition, you know, you want a, a process that survives. But it's not just a process, right? You need a model that survives interaction with real life. And that's why this isn't just process for number six. It's P squared. It is a practical process. And here's where a lot of people go horribly wrong because they read in a book or they see in a show or they watch something in TV and they're like, hey, that process that I read about or saw or learned about, wow, that is you know, mind-blowing, creating mind-blowing results. It's tremendous. Problem is we don't necessarily ask whether that process will survive the light of day or of <laughs> famous quote, I think it was from Mike Tyson. What what was it now? Um, No plan survives the first punch. It's kind of like that with practical processes. The average plan needs to actually be able to survive interaction with your life, with the intricacies, the demands, the realities, the sometimes maniacal busyness, the demands of other people. It needs to be able to survive with that, to interact with that. It needs to be practical, not generically, but in the context of your own life. So if you look on TV and you see, um, what's the show, Biggest Loser or something like that, and you're like, oh my gosh, every week these people are losing astonishing amounts of weight. And you look at their process and then you realize, you know, they're exercising six hours a day and they have, you know, a completely controlled uh, nutritional intake. They're being analyzed by a medical team on a regular basis and they're living and breathing communally 24-7 in a completely artificial environment and under the guidance of a team of experts. And you're like, okay, so that is a process that clearly works for those people during that window of time. But is it a practical process for you in your life? Absolutely not. If you tried to commit to the same thing, it would very likely be a disaster because you don't have that same reality. That's not your reality on the ground. And in fact, um, at least according to some of the, the, the stuff that I've read about a number of people who have left years later, uh, once you leave the sort of altered reality of that scenario, um, the outcomes tend to shift back pretty quickly. So our goal here is that we want a really, we want a practical process. So whatever it is that you're thinking of doing, you know, if you're th- saying to yourself, well, I want to train for a 10K. And, you know, the smartest way to do it would be for me to, uh, you know, I, I looked online and there's a standard six-week program, which lets me train for a 10K. And that means that I'm going to have to run 90 minutes a day for, you know, four days a week for the next six weeks. But you are a, a parent of, you know, a toddler and a newborn and you work full time and you have a relationship and you have friends and you're trying to take care of your own self-care that particular plan is probably not going to survive the reality of your life. It is not practical in the context of your reality. So the process is not going to survive, which means that even if in a laboratory, even if in, you know, in perfect, a perfect environment, a perfect circumstance, you know, it's proven to work, it is not going to work in your life. So the goal is not to just take some generic thing which is proven to work in perfect scenarios, but to actually find a process that is designed to adapt to the realities of your life and let you succeed at doing whatever it is you want to do 
and adapt and on an adaptive basis where it is practical in the context of you and your reality. This is one of the reasons why the uh, my approach to living a good life is not a formula. It's what I call a framework. This is one of the reasons why when I think about process, I don't ever think about generic sort of standardized formulas. I always think about frameworks. The difference is a formula is a one-size-fits-all thing that takes somebody and says, do exactly this and does not accommodate the realities of their life. Uh, it doesn't. It's not adaptive. A framework is basically a decision-making tool. It's, it's a simple model that says, apply this to your life, and it adapts to the realities of your life. So um, an example of this is what I, what I would call my, my good life buckets. And that's a framework that I, I briefly mentioned before, which is in my mind, living a good life is about uh, perpetually filling your vitality, your connection, your contribution bucket. So it's about cultivating deep and meaningful relationships. That's connection. It's about optimizing your state of mind and body. That's vitality. And it's about contributing to the world. Very often we call this your work, whether it's paid or not in a way that is fiercely aligned with your your values, your sparks, your character strengths, skills and abilities, your beliefs, and allows you to feel like you are leveraging all of the potential that you have inside of you and that you are rising up and and fully alive and lit up by how you're contributing to the world, right? So you take that framework on any given day, there are so many different ways to adapt your behavior, to do a little something to fill the bucket that's in need of most filling. So the idea is, you know, we want a tool that allows you to make decisions rather than a generic process that is not practical in your life. And that brings us almost all the way full circle here. Thank you so much for hanging out um, with me as we come to the final P, our seventh P in my success scaffolding. And that is practice. But I'm not talking about practice in terms of the old quote, practice, practice, practice. What I'm talking about is taking everything that you do and turning it into a daily practice to basically take something and build it into your life and and construct it so that it is a seamless part of your day so that it becomes something that instead of being forced and you're constantly trying to look for ways to honor your commitment, to honor your pledge, to not have to show up for your people and say, ooh, sorry, I stumbled, to maintain your, your belief in possibility and to know that, you know, the next time you take a picture and a snapshot, it's going to show great progress and, and that you can stick to this practical process. To bake that into your day in such a seamless way that it becomes over time ritual and then habit. It becomes an automatic part of your day. It becomes a daily practice. It becomes not something you do as much as just a part of who you are and how you exist on the planet. When you make that transition, when you move from something that you have to keep thinking about doing to something that is just a part of who you are and how you live, that is where we see the difference between not only achieving astonishing outcomes, but maintaining and building upon those outcomes over a long period of time, months, years, decades, life. And that's the ultimate goal is to take these behaviors and instead of creating, you know, starting where it's a change in behavior, 
literally make them so that it becomes part of your DNA, turn them into a ritual and into a practice. This is in fact why we we, we actually have you know, ended up creating a companion practice journal for my book because we said, okay, so the book has 30 days of really cool stuff to do, but at the same time, that's awesome because it'll really give you a taste of all of these first six Ps. But at the end of the day, what I really want is for you to build whatever behaviors you're, you know, are adding to your life and letting you live well on the planet and achieve what you want to achieve. I want you to turn that into a daily practice, a morning practice, something that you do throughout the day and an evening practice. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be complex. In fact, it cannot be big and complex or else you'll never sustain it. It's all about simplifying um, and baking it into um, what you're doing. Some of it you want to make fairly automatic so that it becomes habit. You don't even think about it anymore. It's just automatic, like brushing your teeth. Some of it you want to become ritual. Where And the difference between habit and ritual is that they both happen on the same regular basis, but a habit becomes automatic whereas a ritual is always a conscious and intentional act, even if it's baked into what you do on a regular basis. So you are aware and intentional in the process. So you don't necessarily have to be aware and intentional to get the most out of brushing your teeth, right? But if you want to do something else, you know, if, if you decide that you want to become great at drawing faces, you know, rather than just committing to uh, 10 minutes a day of sitting down with a pad, and drawing faces and just, you know, on an automated basis, copying something, you want to actually have 10 minutes of sitting down and being conscious, you know, having your ritual where you pick up the pen, you sharpen it just the right way. Everything is intentional and aware. You put pen to paper, you hear the sound of it, you feel the subtle vibrations as the, you know, the, the graphite draws across the paper, you really pay attention to what you're doing. And you want a blend of habit, which makes it easier for your brain to process and take some of the, the cognitive demand off of it, and ritual, which happens on a daily basis. But at the same time, it stays intentional. And it stays intentional because that is one of the things that gives us access to grace over time. And together, we build these things into a practice, just a regular part of not just what we do, but who we are and how we live. So those, my friends, are the seven Ps, the what I call success scaffolding, pledge, people, possibility, proof, picture, practical process, and practice. Remember, to succeed in anything, it's not just about information. It's not just you know, about uh, knowing something. It is about consistent daily action over time. It is about starting where you are and then reaching a place where you adopt these new behaviors. Those behaviors lead to changes, lead to outcomes, and eventually become a part of your daily practice. And that's how you get from where you are to where you would love to be. And I hope you found this helpful. You know, when I think about so many people moving into the year ahead and having so many dreams, so many visions, so many things that we want to achieve, we've just, you know, we've turned the page on a year, which for many people has been really challenging for so many different reasons. And we're, we're at a moment in time where we get to sit down. We get to 
write a new chapter. We get to start something fresh. And so many of us do that by saying, this is what I want to happen, and then hoping and praying that it will. And some of us take the next step and we get information that helps us understand how to plan it out. But even with that, we're, we're very likely destined to fail because we need something more. We need our success scaffolding. We need to understand how to make the changes in environment, in mindset, and in culture that will allow us to sustain the action long enough to create really profound and lasting outcomes. So I hope you found this really successful, really successful, <laughs> valuable. I love being able to share it with you. I'm actually, um, you know, I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm going to do something kind of cool and create something for you guys. I'm going to, um, because I realize uh, there's many of you are probably listening to this on the go and you may not have had the opportunity to take notes on this. So why don't I, I'm going to take this and create a bit of a mind. I'm going to create a one page mind map for this, sort of just a PDF and if you head over to goodlifeproject.com, there's a link in the show notes as well, just to make it super easy. Subscribe to our daily updates, and I'll make sure that in uh, whatever the next dispatch is, I will include a link so that you can download a one page or a PDF with the success scaffolding, the seven Ps, all laid out in detail on it so that you can look at what you want to accomplish in the year to come and create the scaffolding that you need to succeed along the way. And again, that's just uh, goodlifeproject.com. You'll be able to uh, jump onto the email update list and you can um, then in probably the next dispatch, and we just send out emails weekly, you'll be able to download that and start rocking and rolling in the year to come. Wishing you so much success, so much connection, so much love, joy, grace, and ease, meaning, and possibility as we move into this renewed time, a new space to to make something astonishing in our lives, to make our lives good, um, and to own the fact that simply by the nature of the, the fact that you are here listening to this, there is already good in your life. And never forsake um, the grace in being because you want to become. Um, own them both. Own them both. I can't wait to be back with you next time. I'm Jonathan Fields, signing off for Good Life Project. Hey, thanks so much for listening. And thanks also to our fantastic sponsors who help make this show possible. You can check them out in the links we've included in today's show notes. And while you're at it, be sure to click on the subscribe button in your listening app so you never miss an episode. And then share the Good Life Project love with friends. Because when ideas become conversations that lead to action, that's when real change takes hold. See you next time.